This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. arrived in Colorado. We feel like we're going to have 90 today. I'm a happy camper. And this week I had a great concert on on Tuesday night. We're looking at Thursday when this is first airing um, with the amazing James Taylor, which was on my bucket list to see him for a gazillion years. And we had a great time. And first, it's the first time I haven't been rained out in two years. So I'm very excited about Red Rocks and what happened. Well, here's what we're going to be doing today. And I get so many questions dealing with legal. Legal this, legal that. What can I do? What can I do? Where do I go from here? So with me is a legal pro, intellectual property attorney, an entertainment attorney. And, you know, last week we talked about transitioning your book, possibly, to the big screen, to the film or TV so we're going to be looking at maybe tapping into that a little bit, but we really want to get into copyright. We want to get into trademark-related issues. With me is Steve Replin, who is the principal of the Replin Group in Denver, Colorado. And we, he, he's, an inter, as I said, entertainment attorney. He knows about from the conversion of selling properties, negotiating properties, where to look for them, because that's some of the things that he does do. But right now, let's just welcome him to the program, and we will jump into probably, maybe I'll just start with Steve. First, welcome. Thank you, Judith. All right, and then the second part is, what's the most common question you get from, from a newbie author dealing with legal stuff and publishing? Oh, that's a great question. I think probably the most frequent question I get is, why do I need you? Ah. Uh Uh Uh-huh. I wrote a book. It's terrific. My mother likes it. And and what do I need a lawyer for? Oh, thank God for moms. Yeah, totally. Totally. The first true fan, right? So, why do we need a lawyer? Well, in the area of publishing, there are so many contracts, so many rights and permissions, so many copyright issues that you need to cover that without having somebody on your team that has some legal understanding, um, I think you really put yourself out there in a a bad way, uh, a risky way. So for example, if you're doing a memoir Mm -hmm. or you're doing a story premised upon a true event and you're using people's names and circumstances and you start to use them uh, in a defamatory way, even unbeknownst to you, uh, you could be violating the rights to privacy of people. You could be ri- violating their rights to publicity. You could be defaming them, which is really bad. Uh, if you injure their reputation, hurt their business reputation, uh, all purely by accident. Well, let's go by not by accident. Oh, um, let's, okay. and, and, and let me just jump over to a really well-known um, outer of everything, um, just really literally is is the... New York Times 
mega best-selling Katie Kelly, who does all these kind of um, non-participating biographies <laughs> for a lot of celebrities. That's funny. And certainly there's a lot of dirt in those kind of books. So how does she keep out of doo-doo? Well, there, there's a class of people out there uh, called public figures. And the law gives a lot more latitude to making statements about, for example, Obama. Right? He's held himself out to be a public figure. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, he subjects himself to commentary, criticism, um, just all manner of public dis discussion about his opinions, his viewpoints, his mannerisms, his lifestyle, everything. So anything goes with and a public figure, pretty much? Really, once you put yourself out there in the eyes of the public, you are subject to a whole different set of rules. And so almost anything goes. You can't be malicious. You can't you know, be out to destroy a person by telling lies. But as long as you believe in good faith that... Uh, what you're saying what is you're the saying gospel, is, you're is okay. True and correct. Check, check your facts always. Uh, right. You should be just fine. <laughs> okay. So let's go back then. Let, we'll, we'll forget the celebrity things. Let's go back to uh, our... Whether it's your own memoir, then you're okay. But, you know, a lot of times I see memoirs that start bringing up family members, uh -huh. which they often do. Right. And um, all of a sudden, maybe a World War III might be starting here. Yes. So what do you recommend when you're, when you're in these situations before they become really dicey? Well, people aren't going to like to hear this, and it's going to be really hard, but try to get permission from the people you're talking about mm -hmm. to describe the nature of the event. I mean, you know, if, if you hate Uncle Harry and you think he was the cause of all of your problems both then and now, it's going to be very difficult to get Uncle Harry to say, okay, you can use that story. But if you don't, you use that story at your risk, uh, at your peril. And if Uncle Harry says, you know, you defamed me, you told lies, those are untruths, you've injured my reputation, um, I'm going to sue you for defamation of character, the problem with that is that if you have to go to court, you'll spend more money than the book ever makes you, potentially. Mm -hmm. So, Well, what if you didn't say Uncle Harry? Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to put myself in the author's shoe. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, my gift is not memoir. I don't, I, you know, I work with authors on memoir, but I'm sensitive to this. So what if, what if they didn't say Uncle Harry, but they might say a relative who or, attacked them when they were three years old and blah, 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 blah. What do you, what do you do there? That really is on the path to the total solution to it, Judith. The people can't tell who you're talking about. But everybody knows. Well, everybody on <laughs> in the your, family. In your zip code, they may know. All right. But uh, as long as the public at large can't tell really who it is, if you change the gender of the person you're talking about, instead of Uncle Harry, it's Aunt Harriet. And instead of it happening in Dayton, it happened in Duluth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just try to make the point of the story by using. Uh, something other than the true facts, so that so that to the average person out there, you know they won't. It seems real. It seems real. It seems real. And yet, there's no way to really track it back to a person. All right. So, uh, you know, I will tell you when I've done, as you know, I've written several books, and I've done over ten thousand one-on-one interviews for my books, the thirty-one books over the years, which is a lot of interviews. It's a lot of interviews. And I made it a policy that number one, I tape recorded everything. 
And number two, then it was transcribed. So I had the real words. And, and it's always shocking. And I have to tell all our listeners, it is really fairly shocking how a lot of us, we talk. Um, and how awful it is at times. I mean, the grammar and everything else. But with that said, that um, it's transcribed. Then I would interject it into the part of the book that I would want. I always made it a habit of, one, they signed off. Number two is I sent it to them with the preceding couple pages so they could see how I was using their story, their words, their advice, whatever it was, as it led up, as well as the exit so they could see it as a sign-off. In most cases, I would say 95% of the cases, I always change names. I always change cities. I always change their jobs. I, you know, I, I did different things. I mean, it would connect with the audience we're reading with, but I did want to protect them, even if they said it's okay to use me. But I have to tell you, Steve, I had more times people said, oh, I see you use my story. I didn't use that story. I used another story. You signed off on it, but, but that's my story. I said, you know what? Your story paralleled 10 other people. And the person who we really used their story signed off on that story. So it's always interesting. You know, so many people think that their situation, their experience is so exclusive. No one can ever feel how horrible, how awful, whatever it was that they went through. And the reality is it's a big world out here. It is. It's a big, big world as we go through this out here. Yes. All right. So get permission, number one. I'm hearing that. And, get permission. And, and if you can't, you make it, you cover it up. <laughs> you cover it up, Got and it. there are two ways to get permission, by the way. All right, let's do that. The best way is in writing, always, mm -hmm. in a, with a form that somebody's looked over so that it covers all the circumstances. Yeah. And number two, which is the second best, is if you have them on tape or on video or both, uh, ask them if you have their permission to use the interview in conjunction with your book, your movie, your, you know, your stage play, whatever oh, it turns out to be. Got it. And then keep that tape or the video. And so you have it. You just document it. It's a safe thing. Yeah. It's your it's your history. Well, it's it's almost like when you know you call a, a company. You know they say, well, we might record your, you know, the interview or the questions, and they probably rarely do, but they're covering their tush. I get that. Right. Um, and you have that. All right. So you get it what? in writing. Tape or video is a good idea. You know what um, else is kind of like mm -hmm. that? On a motion picture set where they're using a lot of people oh, in, a, yes. in a bar scene. Mm -hmm. They'll put a sign on the door, and the, the sign will say, enter with full knowledge of the fact that we're, we're, there's a motion picture being filmed, and you may be in it, and you are consenting to the, you know, to the use of your likeness and your, you know, your picture so, by entering here. All right, and then the other verbiage you, you need, smart thing we do, is to make sure that you make your, your permission letter, make it simple, don't, please don't, create a two and three page document. You can do this on one page. For sure. Um, and that it covers electronic, video, audio, anything that, that you might be shooting out there. That's right. Worldwide. That's right. And it's use in all media and royalty free and so on and so forth. Yeah, yes, exactly. So royalty free is a good a good phrase to use that they, they freely gave you their words. So yes. is that. All right. So we're going to, uh, Steve, I want to get into some other things. I mean, memoirs is an important thing. Interviews. And a lot of authors do that. So we have that. So what I'd like to do is do, if, if you had a, a new client coming in, mm -hmm. a new author coming in, kind of, let's, let's go through kind of a hit list of things that they should be doing 
to looking and covering um, what they need as they progress through this. And I think that I would love to also do, because you and I stand on the same side of the fence, is some advice on what to do if you are in bed with a publishing predator. Oh. What can you do to look to move yourself out of a contract um, or at least uh, mitigate some of the damage that they're doing to you? Because it, uh, you and I have had experiences with a few of them out there. What can we do there? So we'll be right back. Steve Reflin is with me. We're talking legal and author and publishing. This is Judith Riles. It's author you. We're going to book publishers. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hooded. If you already have a book out, You'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author U today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author U on Twitter at Author U and on Facebook at Author U, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author U, where the author goes to become seriously successful. Every picture tells a story. And it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover. Nick Selinger and NZ Graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors, independent and traditional publishers for years. He has developed a reputation for excellent work, fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces ebooks and book marketing materials such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards, including Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival Award, and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics.com or call 303-985-4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ, friend of Judith's, and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing. Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, 
If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Legal. Legalese for publishing. How do you keep it simple so it, it, it doesn't get into needing a uh, crossword puzzle dictionary um, or whatever they call the legal dictionary to look up terms and things. How do we keep things simple so we can understand it? So Steve with me, Steve Replin is with me with the Replin Group in Denver, Colorado. He's an intellectual property attorney. And what I really want to get into is what questions, Steve, do you wish authors would ask and they never do? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think that probably the question that is never asked uh, and needs to be asked is something like this. Oh, by the way, I found this terrific photograph of uh, someone in a weird pose or you know, doing something unusual. Uh-oh. And I just decided to use it. Oh, yes, because I, th- I found it on the Internet. They never ask. Yeah. And so in my process of going through kind of vetting the book and making mm-hmm. sure that the book is mm-hmm. you know, not going to be infringing in any manner, I always ask. I say, well, did you use an article from somebody else? Did you use a quote from somebody else? Did you use a photograph from somebody else? You know, tell me how you constructed this book. And probably one of the most important things is, did you put this book together with any other person? And inevitably the question is, no, 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 no. Well, there was that one time when I talked to poor Uncle Harry. I talked to Uncle Harry, and he gave me a suggestion about changing the content of the book. And it was such a good idea, I changed it. So in those circumstances, you have the issue of improper usage of others' intellectual property. You have the issues of co-authorship. Um, it's just, you know, it, it, it turns into a mess in no time whatsoever because there you are with a completed manuscript and you still have to go back and get rights and permissions. But wait a minute. Let's, let's say that, um, for example, I'm going to tell you, my book, Author You, I already had it laid out. It was totally written, 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 huh? laid out. I went to a lecture by a guy, and I was sitting in, and an epiphany dropped in. I don't know if he said something off the wall, and I thought, you know what, JB? You could do this, 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 and this, and you could restructure this baby. You could take it and run with it. You could do it. You know what? You might want to add, add a couple more chapters, but how about adding some illustrations, changing the shape of it? And it was all when I just saw what his book physically looked like. Just the, shit, the size of his book, it totally changed my mind. There is no way he is my co-author, I hate to tell you. But the whole thing is, all those good ideas came from inside your head. Oh, yeah, they did. Right, you didn't talk to him. He didn't oh, say, no, I never talked to him. Change oh, no, that, no, no, no. Make this bigger, smaller, whatever. Oh, no, I was giving him advice. <laughs> that's funny that's funny well maybe you'll be the co-author of his book I don't think so, so. you should ask send him a bill for half of his uh, annual revenues yeah that's pretty funny no but I mean uh, I have a case of a client who met a fellow and uh, she was telling him about what her screenplay was and he said you know you ought to make some changes in the plot line because it's too draggy it needs to really move and I would change this person to that person and make the dialogue change here and there, make the fact pattern change. 
And so she did it. She made the changes and submitted it to Warner Brothers. Senior reader, Warner Brothers loved the manuscript. Uh-oh. And it turns out that she had a co-author, an involuntary co-author issue, which that's its own story okay. for a different time. But um, So I think you should be very wary of people who provide any kind of creative input into your work because in the absence of a written agreement to the contrary, anybody who provides creativity to you in the form of cover design mm-hmm. or in the form of you know, additional writing skills, uh, you know, whatever it may be, has a claim to a piece of the authorship of your book. Whoa, when I think of all the books that I have so goosed and rewritten and, and worked with people. <laughs> yes, think of how many going, books you call oh, out there. Oh, Lord, I would, I would never do that to of them. All right, so let, let's, let's do a shift here. Let's, talk, let's come back to photo usage. So when you're using um, uh, quotes, and also music comes into here too, because that's mm-hmm. a big bugaboo too. Mm-hmm. That lyrics. The, the, lyrics, yes, lyrics. Do not use the Beatles lyrics, please, anybody listening. You've got to get written permission, oh written, God. and you're going to pay for them. Yes. Um, that How do they go about and uh, seek those kind of permissions for photos and lyrics, for example? Where, where do you start photos your are always, quest? Yeah, that's another great question. Photos are always difficult because um, most of the time it's very difficult to locate the owner of the copyright of the photograph. Um, if you take a look at an older photograph, typically mm-hmm. they don't have a copyright notice on the photograph. Mm-hmm. Look at the reverse of the photograph. If you have the physical piece in your hand, they don't have you know, a photograph by Joe Blow in Cleveland. So it's very difficult to understand who did it. So your search is going to be just a hit or miss, and likely you're not going to find the owner of the copyright. So you publish at your peril basically. And don't forget that the owner of the photograph does not have the ability, even if you find that person, to consent to allowing you to publish the photograph if there's someone in the photograph who never consented or, or otherwise in the beginning. I mean, take a picture of you sitting right here and all of a sudden you find your picture on the billboard down on, you know, in, in downtown Denver. Mm-hmm. You never consented to that use. Mm-hmm. So I may have contacted the owner of the photograph because he or she owns the copyright to the photograph, but they don't own the rights to your likeness. So it gets very complicated. All right. So I guess maybe what we should just advise people is best take your own photos, then you own them. Yes, and don't take pictures of people. Unless they give you permission to do that. In writing. In writing. All right, we got that one. Exactly I got that. right. Steve, I have a question about you. You really opened the window about co-authoring and collaborative agreements. And I see a lot of problems with people. And I, and I, and I just had a discussion with someone else who's in a... I, I have something called the Author's Arc I do. Um, it's totally online where I'm doing coaching with a very small group of people a few times a month. And um, that she's got a co-author. Mm-hmm. Um, on that, and that one of the things that I said, you so what's your divorce look like? Um, and I think that everyone needs to, in any kind of these agreements going in, you need to know how it's going to split up before you get married. Um, it'll save, it, it'll just save a lot of pain. And, and let's say everything is just fabulous. Everything works out just fabulously well, um, but it doesn't always. So what what should they do? 
in getting into a co-authoring agreement? What are the, what are some of the key components you need? Well, let me just say something funny that you kind of triggered in my head. You know, these issues never come up if the manuscript never converts to a book that makes any money. Because this is true. Then who cares? Well, no, except for one person may say, if it's because of you, it's all screwed up, and I want, I want it back. Right. Okay. So those issues come up, but yes. at least the damages are very, very Nominal. difficult to prove. Yeah, so it's, it's all speculative. But the thing I always recommend amongst co-authors is what we call affectionately a co-authorship agreement, which has some likeness to, it'd be like a literary prenup, kind of. Mm-hmm. So... This is how we're splitting credits on the cover. Do we put? Do we list the names alphabetically? Do we list them by um, preparation of content? Uh, how do we file the copyright? Do we form a company? Which is always a question I have with my authors: is Is it appropriate to form your own publishing company, or is it appropriate to form your own entity to own the copyright? So, who owns the rights to the company if it's a company? Um, who owns the copyright? How do we split this up? Who makes decisions about what contracts we take if we have those options? About you know something as simple as who's going to print the book? How are we going to divide the costs of that? Where are we going to store it? How are we going to pay for the insurance? Who has to you know contribute to that? Do we contribute in proportion to our ownership interest in this? Which by the way, fifty-fifty is without question the worst percentage of ownership ever. Because one person says yes and the other person says no, who You're makes the decision? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big problem. So, so what do you suggest? If, if we've got two people, so we'll give one person 10 and the other 90, what do you think? A 10, 90, it always works for me as long as my, <laughs> as long as my clients are the 90. That's right. That's funny. That's very funny. I, you know, I, I'll share, I, I was in a, 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 a co-op collaborative agreement and it was a third, third, third. So we, you know, nobody had fifty percent. Right. But it turned out that I mean, there was, and, and all of you need to listen to this closely. I entered into it. They wanted to redo. Actually, I had a book, a very successful book called "The Dollars and Cents of Divorce." It was used in courts. Lawyers were recommending it all over the country. Um, and and I had been away. I mean, I used to be the go-to person when I did financial planning a gazillion years ago. That if there was a messy divorce, somehow I figured out sleuths where the money went. I somehow could track it down, the, the, the portability of money. And with that, um, the, the book was successful. But I wasn't in financial planning anymore. I wasn't doing it anymore. My passion wasn't there, which is an important part of the platform stool. And, but they, my good friend, had really was involved, and she did it. And I know I'm not going to finish this story before we go to break, so I'm going to come back to it. But the that um, and and it would you know it made sense, and she could drive it. So if we put it together, we collaborated. The three of us put it together. We updated it, modernized it, did those things. Um, we could be off and running. It turned out they couldn't write very well, and I ended up writing ninety percent of the book, and ended up being really pissed because it was a third, a third. A third. When we come back, I'll tell you the rest of the story. This is author you, your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Riles. With me is Steve Replin. We're talking intellectual property in your books. This 
is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judy... Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972. They believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so we're talking collaborative agreements. I was telling you the story how I had uh, a situation dealing with my divorce book that we were bringing forward again. Um, and that uh, Dearborn Publishing was going to publish it, and that we put it together, and they all recognized me because of the preceding book. They wanted to use the exact same title again. I had taken back the rights um, at the Dollars and Cents of Divorce, and they recognized me as the lead author. And usually the lead author is the lead author. Usually it could be in power, it could be in name, or it could be the writer. But it turned out I had all three. So um, the, the tough thing for me is that when media came out, everyone wanted just to talk to me. They didn't want to talk to the other people. And I ended up writing over, over probably 90% of the book, uh, putting it together, bringing it back together. And, um, and I made a decision that their friendships were more important, and I just kind of said, screw it. I'll just finish it up. 
let it go, move on. That was that's what I did. Instead of saying, okay, we're back to the table, you get five and you get five and I'm taking ninety. <laughs> so, so one of the things that makes you such a wise young lady. Uh, God. But anyway, so <laughs> so collaborative agreements really they really need to do the prenup, the literary prenup. Yes. What happens if there is a termination? Um, what really what happens if the person who's supposed to be doing the writing can't do the writing and someone else has to come in? What happens? Right. So what happens on the financial? What happens with the with, with the, the running of the business? Sure. Um, and and the credits. One thing I will say to everyone um, is that it's when it comes to copyright, naming your copyright. If you're not carrying it in your own name or in your company name. For God's sakes, please do not give it to the publisher if it's not you. Ah. And and I see that happen, Steve. I've yeah. seen it too many times. That's one of the worst parts of these independent publishing agreements that we both know and hate so much is these small indie publishers who are kind of like vanity publishers, really, mm -hmm. will come in and take all your rights in perpetuity with no way out and they'll take over the marketing of your book, and then if they decide one day they don't like the book, it's not selling enough to warrant any kind of attention, they put it on the shelf, and there's no way for you to get the rights back or terminate the agreement. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let's talk about that. But since you opened up the, the Predators, uh -oh. the Publishing Predators, yes. and, and, and self-publishing, I mean, the models that are out there, um, it, it's huge. You've got some giants that are in play. Penguin, which is the granddaddy of Malby because they bought author... Uh, solutions, Author House, I Universe, Ex Libris, Traggart, several others in the play. And then you have a whole bunch of other players. So, you know, Publish America. Um, there's a lot out there. So I get, if I look at the uh, LinkedIn group, Author You, we've got a couple of really strong streams going with people who are um, sharing the, the pain and the suffering that they've gone through. But what is it that if, let's say that you go to a company that says, we will self-publish your book. And in actuality, what you're, you're doing is they're packaging your book. Um, and that people don't understand that. And what they're doing is they're going to sell you a variety of different services on top of their basic line. At least that's their hope and expectation. Got it? Yes. So when you go into, you've seen a lot of these contracts and gotten some authors out of them. Um, my experience is a lot of them say that, that and, and this is the clause you all want to be very careful of, it's the one that says that you can terminate your clause in 30 days if it's mutually agreeable. Well, to me, that's a giant barf uh, because that um, if I want it and you don't, how are we going to mutually agree? Yes, that's the silliest termination clause I think I've ever seen in my life because by the time you're ready to terminate it, they hold all the cards. You say, please, please, please. They say, no, thank you. So what do you do? Well, help. Help, help, help. Help, I've fallen help. and I want to get up. And I want to get up and get out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know, the approach is um, typically as follows. The first step is to, is to try to negotiate with them verbally and see if you can just get out of it. If they have any mercy whatsoever, if the book is not checking out at retail then of what value is it for them to hold that as part of their library? And the answer that they'll give you, even though it's baloney baloney, is, you know, they just, maybe someday, maybe someday. But what they really are doing is positioning themselves. So in the future, if somebody comes along and wants to buy one of these small publishers, 
and they've got 10,000 titles under their control, it gives their company some perceived value. Even though none of them are selling, it's really not that critical. They still have all this opportunity. Sometimes they'll have mercy on you, and if you call and whine in them, mm -hmm. you'll be able to extract your copyright and a termination letter from them for the agreement. So that'd be step one. Well, they don't have the copyright. Let's say they don't have the copyright. If they don't have the copyright. They have the, they have the, the rights to publish the book. Well, the right to publish and the right to market. Yes. And well, if it's marketing's a joke. Well, marketing is a joke. And so that's how I get people out of these agreements typically. Is you know, you then come step two, which is to send them what I affectionately refer to as a nasty gram. So the nasty gram from the lawyer says, Dear publisher, uh, even though we hold the copyrights, you have the exclusive marketing rights for here and throughout the world. And we believe that you're breaching the agreement because you haven't made a good faith effort to market. All you've done is list it on your website, and that's the end of it. So we believe you've breached the agreement due to your lack of performance. Because every contract has the obligation of fair dealing and good faith. Well, fair dealing and good faith means that if I take the rights to sell your book, I've got to do something with that. If I don't do that, then in court, it's possible a judge will say, you know, you took these rights and what did you do with them? You sat on them to the detriment of the author. That's a big problem. So what if it doesn't say explicitly in the contract that you signed that they're going to market the book? Right. Then you can't call them out on a breach of not marketing. You've got to find something else. Well, then why are they taking the rights? I mean, if all they're going to do is to really get money up front, these to get are, money. These are money up front guys, you, no doubt. They're packagers. They're they all are. packagers. Yeah. yeah, that's really the first clue, by the way, that you may well be in with somebody who's not really on the level. Is somebody who's asking for substantial money to print the book, to lay it out, to edit it, to do the cover design. Well, they don't. Yeah, they and they don't edit. I mean, those are all. It's a menu. I think most of these self-published people who say they will self-publish your book right. are um, menu driven and you can buy an eddy package, you can buy a marketing package. I mean, Author Solutions sells one for fourteen thousand nine hundred and ninety nine or fourteen thousand nine ninety five or some ridiculous amount of you know, like that, which is absurd. Right. Um, but that there are a variety out there um, that will have these add on goodies and I, my experience is a great deal of them are mediocre at best. I've found that myself. And actually what I found also is um, many of the authors that I've gotten out of these agreements um, have paid what they need to pay and have sent all the material to the publishers and have had no response whatsoever for, for an extraordinary period of time. And while somebody wants to get the book out by December, the publisher doesn't have that same motivation because the publisher's already gotten your money. So they get it out December, but maybe in December of next year. I mean, they don't care. They don't have the same need. They've gotten paid already, mm -hmm. you know, 99% of what they're ever going to make off the book. So you need to have performance criteria in these contracts, which there never, ever are. It's not, we'll have your book out by this date, or you can terminate. We'll have printed 5,000 books, or we'll tell you, you can terminate. Um, we will, we have performance standards in terms of how many we're going to sell, or what kinds of marketing promotional activities we're going to undertake. You know, they're, they're so loose and so nondescript 
the thing, the only thing they're really descript about, if that's a word, is how much money they want from you and when you have to pay it by. Mm -hmm. So, let's say that I've been seduced. <laughs> yes, that's okay. the right word. It is a seduction, I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, let's say that I've been seduced. Um, and that um, I mean, I've always said when when I when I'm showing authors how to do pre-selling of their book when they mm -hmm. do it, that you it's always smart not to say it's going to be out by June first. That is always a mistake. Um, you could say June. That gives you thirty days to work in. Um, I've I've learned over the years, uh, Steve, attorney, that I have I would say it will be available this spring. Much better. Um, and that gives me three months. Um, and if, if I say a book is going to be mailed in the summer, well, summer officially starts today, June 21st. Yes. Or it, and it goes till, I think, September 20th, something like that. So that gives me a long window to work it through to deliver what I need to do. So that's on that side. So when you're dealing with someone who is providing a service on that, because I, I've had really... Um, some come to head with some of the clients I've worked with. Where they'll they'll say, "I need to have this by. I need to have uh, the all the edits back by June first, and I do this and this and this." I said, "No, you don't. You know, I'm telling you, if you need your book September first, you don't need all your because I know what the criteria is. If a completed manuscript comes in, we can get the editing on done before the end of June. I know layout's going to take less than two weeks." I know that by the time layout's done with the final cold I am going to go through, and let's say it's done by uh, uh, July 15th, I know I'm going to get you to print, and guess what? You're going to have books in hand. If it's an offset print run, uh, you're going to have book in hand by anywhere from August 15th to August 21st. I'm going to guarantee, I can guarantee that. So what you need to do is back off and give your, when, I think it's important for everyone to understand when they're working with creative people, when you say you have to have this by June 1st versus a production person, which is a different animal, printing is a different animal, you need to give them a little cushion, a little cushion. They know that they, they if you've got this deadline, they know what they have to work backwards with from. At least that's what I do. All right. We're going to, with that said, all right, Steve's kind of quiet, kind of looking with his mouth yes. open. Oh, my goodness. But performance, performance contracts for people that you give money to, it's always a good idea. It this is, is Judith Riles. We're going to have one more segment and get ready for some great questions on legal stuff. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. 
Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303-885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at MyBookShepherd and on Facebook at TheBookShepherd. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years' experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So to do a quick quick sum up, Steve Replin, uh, an intellectual property attorney, is with me today. And to just do a quick sum up, if you're in a contract that isn't working, that you've got to have clauses in there that can specify something that is either breached or grossly misrepresented. And there's got to be something tied in with non-performance. It can't be vague. It, it, it's got to be really pinpointed. This needs to be met, met, met. If, it, if it's a stage one, stage through, and this is what we're going to do during these times, and a stage isn't identified, well, this is going to happen between March 1st and March 31st. That's stage one, and you're in, 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 in April 20th, and stage one never got completed, then you've got a breach. Is that correct, Steve? That is correct. Okay. And remember that performance, setting these kinds of criteria really means uh, a lot of different things. One of the criteria for performance can be time. Mm -hmm. You're going to do this by a certain date Mm -hmm. or you're in breach. Mm -hmm. It can be dollars. Mm -hmm. You're going to sell $1,000 worth of books by September the 1st or you're in breach. Mm -hmm. Uh, the The third way could be unit volume. You're going to have a thousand books printed by August 15th or you're in breach. So there are lots of different ways to measure performance. Mm-hmm. But, but with self-publishing companies, these, these, the vanity press vanity, that, that yes. looks like publishing that's come out with now a different uh, stealth, uh, it comes out with a full feeling to it, um, that they don't say that they're going to print a thousand books and they don't say 
that they'll be in print. And, and really, will they say they'll market? What they'll say is, if you're buying a market package, it might be, well, we'll send an email to X amount, you know, which is a joke. Um, in my opinion, it's a joke. Um, that, but what you're doing is talking about if you're, you've got to have, you've got to have measurable guidelines in here. If you don't, you need to come back before you sign something or know what you're getting into. Most of them say, you pay X amount of dollars up front. Um, we're going to get your book laid out, but most times they don't say by a certain date. So maybe you need to get your date in. But of course, you, dear author, have to make sure that you have um, your manuscript all in play. And there are too many times that we see, both Steve and I see, um, uh, manuscripts that get uploaded into their their chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry template and that they are nowhere ready to be published. We, we see this too often. I mean, I do it. It kind of breaks my heart when I say, what were you thinking? This book is not ready. And yet the vanity publishers are going to look at it and go, oh, this is fabulous. Oh, and that is exactly what they're saying. Yeah, this you is know, really right for the market. We only publish 40 books a year, and, you know, we turn down 782 or something. Exactly right. Nuttiness. The, okay. Those are the smart people who All right, pay. so, Steve, I asked you early on, you know, what questions you wish people would ask, and you threw out on the table photo usage. What other questions, key questions, that authors, savvy, authors need to move from naivete to being savvy? They need to understand how to protect themselves against the claims of others, just in case. Okay, and how do we do that? Well, I think one of the easiest and most vanilla ways that almost anybody in business, and make no mistake about it, if you're writing a book and taking it out to the marketplace, you're in business. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a labor of love, but you're actually in a business to make money, otherwise you won't be writing for too long. Mm -hmm. I think you need to have an entity around you. Now, what does that mean? I don't want to use... Sounds legal to it me. It sounds legal to me, too, but I don't <laughs> want it to sound that way. Um, you, should, you should have an LLC or a corporation within which you should undertake to do this business. Because I don't want my clients, for sure, or anybody listening to us here, to expose their yachts and their Swiss ski chalets and the Learjets to the claims of some fruitcakes out there that they've infringed somebody else's material, they've defamed their, mm -hmm. their reputations. So by having the liability stop at an entity, you at least limit your losses. So would you then, would that entity be the entity, would the entity be the entity yes, that, darling. The, that owns the copyright? Well, as another layer and, or publishes it of asset protection, yeah. you could actually have the copyright itself be owned by you individually or by yet another entity. I don't want to make it too complicated. But so if your book ownership entity and marketing entity gets sued, you could then still own the copyright which you license to your LLC to use. It gets complicated and mm -hmm. most people don't need to go that far. Mm -hmm. But yeah, whatever you put in there is subject to the claims of creditors. So you might want to think about, especially if you're publishing like a true crime book, for example, mm -hmm. and you have a theory about how something happened and you're naming names and going through just a whole host of things uh, that could be considered defamation by a judge someplace, uh, then you want to be really, really careful. Or the defendant's families, or, or if you're sitting in a courtroom, a, or any of those kind of things. Or, or, or. There yeah. are hundreds of them. So. And another little known thing that most, most authors never even consider as something they should look at 
is the issue of insurance. You can get what's called media perils insurance, which will insure you to some extent against the claims of others for defamation, libel, slander. What's that cost? And where, uh, and where do you get it? You know, um, I mean, I have a relationship with a great underwriter who will do that, but I suppose that the best place to go, I think the Independent Book Publishers Association has some folks who do um, insurance that, that are, you know, insurance policies focused on authors. Um, but you're talking, some of those are, you know, they run several thousand dollars a year. They can be year. pricey. They can be pricey. So, well, know. it's a function of your topic. If your topic is dicey, mm-hmm. then you're going to pay for it because mm-hmm. the risk is higher, and that's what insurance companies charge for is their their evaluation of risk premium. Got it. So, you know, sometimes a you can be penny wise and pound foolish, and you can say I don't need insurance. But if you ever got sued and you ever had to really pay a lawyer to go in and appear in court and take it all the way. You know, for the couple thousand dollars to save yourself, what could be you know tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of dollars in a in a defense, uh, in legal fees alone, you'll wish you'd done it. Mm-hmm. So most authors never consider that. But it's I, for a variety of reasons. For a variety of reasons, right. mostly monetary. And, right. What else? What else is on our laundry list? What about um, what about trademarks? Should they be doing trademarks? Trademarks actually are not overly appropriate in most areas of, um, of authoring. If okay. you're going to have a series of books that you know, consists of two or more in a series and you have a constant theme and there is a title. In my books, for example, I have uh, some things that will appear in each book as they go along. And so those become trademarkable mm-hmm. because I don't want somebody else to use certain key phrases. Certain key phrases, mm-hmm. and well, especially with the internet and what you can do. I mean, you. I mean, I would take a key phrase. I would go after that on a hashtag. I would. I would do a variety of things. Right. That would be um, check yourself on that. But in most cases, trademark is not something yeah, that the typical author needs to worry about. It's not really appropriate. And, of course, I, you know, I go through this all the time. Let's talk about copyright very quickly. Huh? Um, copyright. Authors think, well, I need, to, I need to copyright my title. And I always say, mm, no, you're not. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't it's work. It's the content you're after. Absolutely. So when should they file with the copyright office? I think they should file as soon as they have a completed manuscript. And even if it's subject to a little bit of change thereafter, mm-hmm. uh, I think that you should copyright early and often. Right, so when you have a completed manuscript, um, and then, so we might do it, I'm going to say maybe twice. If you do it, if you have a completed manuscript, and then, here's what happens, because I've worked on so many manuscripts over the years. The manuscript that comes in is not the manuscript that stays. Amen. So that... Um, that and I know a lot of us, a couple of not a lot, very few authors have asked me to sign when I've worked with books, non-disclosure. I am glad to, if I, you know, like I have time to take your book and publish it. <laughs> but you know, I'm glad because they're worried. There's a there is a, there is author paranoia out there. Um, but for copyright purposes, so do the copyright, file it with the LLC. LLC.gov. It's going to cost you about fifty bucks now. It's actually called copyright.gov. Copy, it's copyright.gov. Copyright. I go to LLC.gov. Okay. Yes. LLC Library of Congress. Oh, okay. So oh, that's different. Right. Yes. Okay. So go to copyright.gov. 
to file. You can upload. I think it still costs thirty-five dollars, although they're going to raise that. They've ra they raised it to fifty. Oh, so now it's yeah, it's expensive. up to fifty. They, yeah, yeah. they've just done it. They've just done it within the last few days, all that or weeks. Well, not too long ago, but anyway. So you've got that. So the next part of it is then when you have a completed, when you have your completed book, um, I want you to send it to the Library of Congress so they have that. Get it filed there. And then redo one with the copyright. And, Absolutely. And, and, and why do you do that, Steve? Because there's legal things that come into play here that protect you here. Well, at a certain point, the registration of a copyright is prima facie evidence of the fact that you actually own it. How are we doing time-wise? Yeah, about 90 seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. okay, so you have the right to sue. You have the right to get your legal fees. And most importantly, if somebody actually does infringe, uh, the damage provisions in terms of what you can get are significant. Uh, if you oh, register your copyright. Oh, yeah, so it's multiples. We're talking multiples oh, over. It can yeah. be hundreds of thousands of dollars. All right. So yes. so you always, 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 always have to do that. All right. So your website is what, Steve Replin? www.replin, R-E-P as in Paul, L-I-N, lawgroup.com, replinlawgroup.com. Okay, so replinlawgroup.com, and then you can, there's contact information, um, that you can send email into Steve and, yes. and his and, and Sarah. Sarah's the magic answer, by yes. the way. Everybody in that office. Sarah's the brains. So, well, yes. Yeah, Sarah makes sure the brains are working. Oh, that's so, true. That's very true. So with that, legal is really important, and we're going to come back and readdress legal um, ongoing through the year because it's critical. It's changing. Um, there are some variables for fiction and nonfiction. Absolutely. There's things that go on with children's you need to be tuned into. Oh, so absolutely. we'll have Steve back. We'll be deep, deep diving into it. But the bottom line is, if you're in doubt, make sure you get stuff in writing. How's that sound? Hey, you know what? I'll go with that for sure. All right. We'll, be, yes. we'll see you next week. This is Judith Bryles. You've been with Author You, your guide to book publishing. Thanks, Judith. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Bye-bye, sweetie. Bye. part of your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles